What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Storytime with Uncle Reddit. My name's John, and this is r slash Tales from Tech Support. So, did a video yesterday for the Malicious Compliance channel. <laughs> Called it Tech Support when I was doing the intro. The mind is a terrible thing. Anyway, so we're camping, if you couldn't tell. Pretty good weekend. First night and full day were pretty much cloudy, rainy, off and on, and eh, kind of yucky, but still relaxing because we got to get away from the house and do something different in our new-to-us vintage camper. Uh, 1977, some kind of Terry, I don't remember. But anyway, it's bigger than our other one, so that's nice. It's helpful. I, uh, I got a little more room to spread out and do things and sleep and store stuff, and it's good. So now we got to finish cleaning up our other vintage camper so that we can sell that and keep the ball rolling. Anyway, enough of me jabber on. Let's, uh, let's do some tech support. I can't get this insurance ID card generated. This is a funny one. While I was working for USAA Tech Support, a customer, i.e. USAA Employee Insurance Adjuster, was calling because the company's software wouldn't let her print a liability insurance card for a vehicle she describes as Keystone, Montana. I was thinking to myself, hmm, I've never heard of a vehicle like that. I look into our vast knowledge base articles to try to find why the system wouldn't allow her to print the card, and I found a knowledge base article that stated that the system wouldn't allow a liability insurance ID card to be generated or printed if the vehicle in question does not have liability insurance. Turns out that the Keystone Montana was a fifth wheel toy hauler. There is no available liability insurance on it, of course, since it's not technically a motor vehicle. The insurance agent was so completely embarrassed. She apologized to me several times for wasting my time and resources. Speaking of campers, yeah, I was thinking to myself when I was reading Keystone, Montana, that's that's a recreational vehicle. Hold on. And I don't know about anybody else. If any of you guys have campers or camp or whatever, uh, RV, but uh, getting insurance on those things, even the motorized ones, tends to be a little sketchy sometimes. Yeah, we do what we can. We, we've got everything covered between regular insurance and homeowner's insurance, hopefully, for any losses or damage to other people's property, but yeah. Went on lunch and now my Excel sheet is empty. User calls in explaining that she's been working on a new Excel sheet all morning. She has then saved the sheet, locked her computer, and gone to lunch. When she came back from lunch and unlocked her computer, the sheet was empty. She closes it down and reopens it, but it's still empty. Straight away, I'm thinking something doesn't feel right here because data doesn't just disappear by itself. I remote on over and instantly see the issue. She scrolled to the right of the sheet. I quickly move the scroll bar all the way to the left, and she's shocked to find her data where she left it. I then have to explain how the scroll bar in Excel goes sideways as well. I don't know what I was doing. I was working on something, I don't know, maybe back when I took a basic Microsoft Office class many years ago. And uh, yeah, the Excel scroll bars kind of got me when we were doing bigger data sheets. Somehow it got scrolled all the way to the right, and I couldn't find my stuff. And you really didn't see that little scroll bar down at the bottom. The, far, the one on the right-hand side was fine, but eh. It happens. Computer crashed? Say no more! For context, when we say a computer crashed, we don't mean a program suddenly closed out. Either we blue screened, hard drive failed, or a computer just stopped working, so obviously we take it very seriously. I get a text from my boss to go check on an employee, saying his computer crashed. Seeing as we can't have anyone completely unable to work, I head over there to see what's going on, expecting the worst. Sure enough, I see a monitor with no light, so my first instinct is to turn it back on but no luck. Okay, best case scenario is just a bad monitor. So I check the computer just for the sake of being thorough and I see it's still powered on. I take another look at the monitor, readjust the power cable and lo and behold it comes back on and everything the guy was working on is still there. Can't judge the guy because something like that can happen to anyone 
and has even happened to me pretty damn recently, but I always love simple fixes. There is something kind of satisfying about being able to walk up and it's something simple like a loose power cord, a loose video cable, something like that. Now, if it keeps happening, then you got to figure out, okay, why does this cable keep loosening up? Are they rearranging their desk every other day or whatever? But, you know, sometimes it's just a simple fact that somebody, you know, hooked their foot on a cord under the desk or something and yeah. And at least the guy didn't lose all his work, which is good. Camera is not working. So one morning on the help desk, I get a very angry caller on the phone explaining to me that her webcam on her laptop isn't working and it's completely black. I ask her if she has a slider on the top as some of the laptops we have in our company have privacy sliders and she said no. I ask her how long she's been experiencing this issue for and she said about three months and it's been gradually getting worse. I figured that she would have to bring it into the office as it was a hardware issue, but I just wanted to check the driver and update it before I made her travel. She worked remotely and lived about two hours away from the office. So anyway, I remote into the laptop to check if the driver's working okay and it was. Then I opened the camera app to see it for myself. I noticed that it was black but looked kind of smudged. I asked her to lick her finger and wipe the webcam. Lo and behold, I see her surprised face in perfect 4K resolution. I doubt it was perfect 4K if she licked her finger and wiped spit on it. My boss sent out a memo about making sure people keep their laptops clean. Oh, you want to be careful doing that, OP, because there will be people spraying their laptops and whatever, keyboards and monitors and everything else with spray bottles full of Clorox cleaner and 409 and grease lightning and simple green and you name it, there's going to be somebody, maybe somebody might even take it to the uh, employee washroom and just totally give it a bath. And while there are some parts that can handle that kind of abuse, um, not usually when it's still powered on or about to be plugged back in. So, uh, yeah, good luck with that. The cursed till printer. This isn't my story. It's from a friend of mine that gave me permission. He used to be the general technical support for some grocery stores on the west coast of Canada, and there was a printer at one of the tills that was just cursed. It would break or eat a roll of paper or throw some sort of error about twice a week, and the store manager was sick of it breaking all the time, and my friend was sick of having to come to that store to fix it. One time, after he fixed it, he told the manager, Hey, it's fixed again. Unfortunately, I can't replace it like you wanted because it's working right now. If it was obviously broken, I could have a new one installed in about 15 minutes, though. <laughs> I see where this is going. He let her stew on that for a few seconds, then said, I'm going to my coffee break. I'll be back in 15 minutes and went to Starbucks. After an injection of sugary caffeine, great dude, liked his coffee as vaguely coffee flavored syrup. I could never understand it. By the time he got back, the printer was scattered across the floor next to the till and the store manager had an innocent look on her face. He borrowed a cart, got the broken one out to his truck and brought the new one in. 10 minutes later, there was a nice new printer ready to go and he went on with his day. Yeah, he did both of you guys a favor by uh, going on coffee break when he did. I never understood corporate mentality. I mean, I understand you don't want to waste money by just replacing things for the sake of replacing things. But, you know, how many times does a repair person have to go out there or productivity's drop down because your till printer's not working? You know, how much is that costing you in the long run after about, you know, 8, 10, 12, 20 service calls when it would have been cheaper just to put a new printer in to begin with? So, yeah, penny wise and pound foolish, right? Digital versus analog. Please don't make us upgrade. Yet. 
Way back, I worked for a university which happened to have a serious resource problem when it came to network infrastructure. The main network and computer organization was underfunded and had serious problems retaining qualified staff. The staff that had long experience tended to be folks who got promoted to manager levels and had out-of-date skill sets. The younger, more tech-savvy staff got frustrated at the lack of advancement possibilities and usually bailed out for better-paying jobs. So the managers were always stuck trying to hire replacement staff, and in the meantime, problems just festered. Various departments had in-house technical expertise, like the one I worked in, but we had to rely on the main network group for connectivity to the outside world. Basically, they acted as an ISP for us. Those of us that were big and smart enough to administer our own internal networks generally stuck an open source firewall between us and the rest of the university, since there was no protection at the boundary, and the campus was full of MS Boxen? Infected with various malware. Uh, okay. Windows PCs? I don't know. Anyway. Bandwidth was often impacted by port scans and DDoS attacks from machines on campus. I frequently had professors in my office complaining that they couldn't access resources at other institutions that they were collaborating with. I, along with other system and network admins, constantly brought these issues up with the main network people, only to be told they were aware of the problems and were working on it. At this time, the phone system was an older analog type, not VOIP. The main support guys really wanted to get rid of it since supporting it, plus the campus network, was a major cost for them. This was the days before cell phones were widespread, so the majority of voice traffic required the old-fashioned phone system, and it worked exactly as it was supposed to. Nothing more, nothing less. The main people realized they had to address things and set up a meeting to explain their problems and their plans for addressing them. None of us had a lot of confidence by this time, but we attended the meeting hoping for the best. Anyway, during the meeting we discussed the various issues facing us. A primary problem was getting information on network problems distributed. A web page solution was ruled impractical since sometimes we literally couldn't reach the web server. Same thing for a mailing list. It seemed that phone tree systems would be the best at this point since it would not rely on the campus network at all. We then turned to the plans for the future. If they could get the funding, they'd be putting in some kind of IDS system at the boundary. Access lists would be implemented, network hardware would be upgraded, bandwidth would be increased, and finally, VOIP phones would replace our old-fashioned PBX-type system. It'd be great! We were always supposed to put in service calls to the techs to come take care of the machines, or we'll be brought to HR. At this point, the majority of us sitting around the large table all started talking, interrupting each other. They were going to change from the only reliable communication system we had to one that relied on the system we were all complaining about. Several of us were adamant that this was a bad idea. The old phone system was the only thing they had that worked. All of us insisted that the VOIP project be postponed until they got the data network reliable. Three months later, which is last week, I pointed out that they were already getting a large number of tickets for network issues. What did they think would happen if folks suddenly started having problems with the phones? The complaints would snowball up to their director and he'd be neck deep in stuff. Maybe deeper. Anyway, eventually they were able to overhaul the network infrastructure migrated to a VOIP phone system, and things were much better. Yeah, don't take the only piece of your system that actually functions the way it's supposed to and throw it out the window for something that you're relying on a crappy network for. It just makes no sense at all. It's funny, even when cell phones became popular and were common enough that a lot of people were starting to get rid of their landlines in their houses, we had a daycare to contend with in our home that my wife ran, and the licensing board would not let us get rid of the landline. And I, you know, I kept complaining, oh, it's stupid, we're paying extra for this, this and that. And, you know, it was, a, it was a business expense. So really, we weren't paying for it ultimately. We were getting it written off on our taxes, but still, um, it just seems stupid. And then come to find out, you know, 
cell signals were very hit or miss down here where we live at that time. Uh, services, 911 wasn't totally hooked up with everybody. So the state was right to make us keep a mandatory landline in place until such time as all those systems for the cell networks came together and were functioning smoothly enough that they were reliable. So, uh, yeah, it makes sense. Not at the time it didn't. Just ticked me off, but now it makes sense. Just dump it here. No worries. I had this happen today. I work for a health insurance company. Inexplicably, we have three different types of soft phone systems. Two are managed in-house, one externally. One of our users who uses the externally managed phone software has had a long-running issue with her soft phone crashing at the end of a call. As she works in the same office as me, we have three offices and many remote users across the country. So I was asked to join in and lend a hand collecting some logs and then send them to the vendor. So I've collected these logs from the soft phone on the user's laptop and bugger me, these logs are huge, way larger than what our email allows. I begin to discuss this with the vendor who has an immediate solution. Just browse to abcxyz124logs and copy the logs there. I type in the address and nothing, can't be found. All good, I ask the vendor to give me permission, but he assures me the permissions were set to everyone. Not great, but oh well. I ping the host name, nothing. I look at the host name closely and realize it doesn't follow any of our naming conventions. I look it up in AD and in asset management, nothing. I go back to the vendor and ask him what the deal is. I can't reach this server or even find a record of it. Am I spelling it correctly? He responds with, server? Oh no, not a server. This is my laptop. <laughs> oh my god. So this external vendor was hoping for me to somehow browse to his laptop across the internet, from my company to his. I don't know how to explain to him how wrong he was. I just hit the eject button on the conversation. <laughs> you. Oh my god. Just no. Just no. No. There was nothing even remotely right about what that guy was trying to do. But anyway, there's got to be an easier way to make all that happen. I don't know what it is, but maybe you guys do. Oops, was that important? Making it obscure and vague for potential legal reasons. Everything except how the people responded has changed. Might not make technical sense, but you'll hopefully get the gist. User submits a ticket. Can't pull logs today. I immediately panic. Server is mission critical, but managed by someone else. User answers the phone. Oh yeah, I haven't seen the logs in a month. <laughs> Me. What? We need someone there ASAP. I call the service provider. Call executives. Call service technicians. Service provider. Hmm. We'll see if we can get someone out. Let me forward you to our escalation team. Click. Hangs up. Repeat three times. Executive. The F? Get someone out there. Click. Service random technician. Sure, I can go see if it's running. I'll call you when I'm on site. Cue me waiting patiently for a call. Hour-long service window goes by. I call the tech. No answer. I call the user. No answer. Wait another hour. Call both again. Only user answers. User. Hey, sorry I was busy. Service guy says it's effed. I call the executive. Executive gives me angry silence. Time to call service provider and get serious. Service provider. Continues pretending to care, then goes nowhere. Determine the service provider probably realizes how hard they screwed the pooch on this one and is waiting for us to sue. Executive. What the F is going on? How does no one understand how important this is? I'll find someone else EOD to rip and replace. Crazy stuff is, he did it. Found a company willing to come in, rip and replace that server within 24 hours. Replaced a very complicated system in 24 hours. Mind you, we had the plans of the old system ready to go for this day, but still a fire drill if ever I've seen one. Yeah, I'm not sure about the technical part of this, but 
it seems like that executive made heaven and earth move in the end there. And uh, everybody else just kind of was like, whatever. It reminds me of, uh, if you've ever seen the movie Fast Times at Ridgemont High, Spicoli. <laughs> he just so chill, so laid back, you know, life just takes care of itself, whatever, man. Meanwhile, everything's burning down around this guy's ears and uh, there's nothing he could do about it. Even my lowly residential internet access, I have a hard time getting people out to repair things or to actually diagnose them the way they should be. Uh, it seems silly when something goes wrong, and I know roughly where the issue is. Like, it's not in my house. It's not inside my four walls. It's somewhere between the house and the pole, or between my house, the pole, and the next pole. Something like that, just outside of my structure. And they still insist on coming inside to look at the equipment, and that's fine check everything then they stand there and scratch their head looking stupid when they're looking at the box on the side of my house my equipment and maybe any junctions that are in between and then they kind of and then they disappear no they don't put a ladder up a bucket truck nothing to look at the lines out on the street so okay if everything in the house tests fine then the next step is to trace it out to the street and go from there nope oh well as a favorite YouTuber of mine says, you get that on the big jobs, don't you? All right, guys, thanks for sharing a little bit of your day with me today. It's time for me to wrap this up and head to the pool. So if you enjoyed this, do me a favor, give me a like, subscribe to the channel, review me on your podcast format. Spotify, I think, does that now. And uh, until the next one, we'll see you.